Welcome to Arts Express. This is Prairie Miller and on the show. For all of those who are out there saying, oh, he moved me and without my... He asked me and I said yes. I could have said no. This is my show. I have a contract for this show. I decided that I would take him up on that and take this journey with him. So this is not someone moving me. And by the way, this is not someone saying, you must move to the right, Don Lemon. You must not be so, um, give so much of your perspective. None of that has happened. All of that is fodder for Twitter, which is not real. So stop it. I was not demoted. None of that. And that was CNN host Don Lemon responding to the controversies surrounding the station's cancellation of his primetime 9 p.m. Don Lemon tonight to the new 6 a.m. CNN This Morning slot beginning this week. Lemon phoned into Arts Express to address the rumors. Were the considerations political as Lemon's stand on air that the U.K. with its vast wealth should pay reparations to the many masses it colonized in the world throughout the British Empire's history? Or was the decision economic with CNN's diminishing audience, though indeed their competition is not so much with the other networks as with the Internet and its newsstand model diversity of opinions versus CNN's corporate media narrow establishment focus, not to mention the big business media's determined thrust to erase left and progressive forces by lumping them together and disappearing them verbally into the right wing when it comes to any opinion, quote, off script, from the establishment, so to speak, while designating the one side to every story liberals who dominate the media discourse incorrectly as the, quote, left. So what's it all about and why? Here's Don Lemon. Hey, Prairie. Hello, Don Lemon, and welcome. Hey, thank you for having me, Prairie. It's, it's good to be here. It's good to be able to talk to your listeners. Now, you've said of your move into your new morning show that, quote, the last eight years have been an incredible ride, but it's time to shake things up. Please elaborate. Well, it's time to do something different. I want to, um, to elevate the conversation. I want to be able to inform people in a way that's more palatable, that's not a night fight and, and as tribal as cable news at night um, had become. And so, but also, it's, I just wanted to do something different. I've been doing it for eight and a half years, and if you do something for that long, um, I think that most people would be, you know, obviously I was happy with what I was doing, but I think most people would, um, if they had an opportunity to be able to do something different at the particular place where they, where they work, and something that was meaningful um, and wonderful, I think that they would do it. So I meant it was time to shake things up for the audience. It was time to shake, shake things up at the company. And I think it was time to shake things up in my personal life. And so it was tough getting off of work at midnight every night. Mm. It will be easier for my life and for my family for yeah. me to have a, a normal schedule. I don't have to get up until 5 and be on the air at 6. And so it's a, it's a more normal life, a more normal schedule. And I think it's a way that is that I'll be able to inform the American public and, quite frankly, the world, because we're an international news organization, that is more palatable than just fighting with guests at night about, you know, you know, you were wrong or you were wrong or you have the facts wrong or you have the facts wrong. It's just, you know, it got old. That is it. And you've said about being moved to your new show that, despite rumors, it was your decision when asked, and that, quote, by the way, this is not someone saying you must move to the right, meaning politically, what is that speculation about? Well, I, listen, I said about that because someone asked me the question about it. That there were, I don't think there are rumors about anything. I think it's just people on the right who have an agenda who are, you know, wanted, who, that I've become sort of a character or a caricature um, on the right. So I think that's what that is, but I don't really pay any attention uh, to that. But I was just making it clear when people ask me, well, why did you go from a show at night with your name on it or what have you? It's because I wanted to. Um, you know, I had a, a contract to do my show for as long as I wanted to do it. and But I decided that I did not want to be in that particular arena anymore. And I thought that this was a better opportunity. It's just quite, it's as simple as that. And anyone who has ever known me or watched me, they know me as a font of information and a font of truth. And so that's, just the truth of it all. And no one is telling me that I have to move to the right because I'm not a political person. I'm not, I'm not a righty or a lefty. I don't believe in political parties, quite frankly. 
independent thinker and I have some, uh, I think about something politically uh, that may be more progressive and I think something politically that may be more conservative. And I think that's how most of the country operates. And Mm so, um, you know, the only reason that I made that statement is because someone asked me that or someone speculated ridiculously, maybe perhaps on social media or far right wing um, conspiracy media like Fox News or, um, or, you know, I, I don't even know the other folks that don't watch them. But mm. that is it. There's also been talk about CNN's new management aiming for more, quote, nonpartisan programming. What are your thoughts about that and reaction to it? Well, I don't know if that is true. I think, I think, uh, I know that there is an effort to sort of take the temperature down. And let me tell you why. Because when the temperature is so high, it comes to a boil, and you get what happened to Paul Pelosi and his home in California. So I think that there is a smart effort to take the temperature down, but there is not an effort to uh, keep people from holding people to account. And I think that, um, you know, we, in this particular environment, we have to uh, be able to listen to other people, and if they are wrong, to be able to inform them without making them our mortal enemy and without attacking them either physically or verbally, personally, uh, no matter what side of the political aisle that you're on. So, no, I don't believe that there is, you know, as you've been moving to the right, it's not something that um, I have been asked to do. And I'm, I don't know if anyone in the company, I don't believe anyone in the company has been asked to, to do that. And if they have, that's wrong. Um, I think that our North Star at CNN, we have two of them, the truth and the news. So that's what we're going to do on this morning program. And speaking of which, there's been criticism of broadcast news in the present time that his political focus is narrow and one-sided, as opposed to the ideal newsstand concept, that is, with a wide array of opinions, diversity, and debate. What are your thoughts about that? And how do you feel that issue can be addressed? Well, part of it was the, what, you, what you asked me about why I made this, because I believe that in this morning format that there is an opportunity to do more of what you just said, to have a newsstand sort of quality to it. But listen, I think that um, that has just become the nature of cable news specifically. I do think that when the big story is politics, then we must help cover politics, and we have to cover it um, in with the bigger uh, and and the the presence that it demands. And I think over the last, especially five or six years, um, it demanded what CNN was doing. It demanded some outrage. It demanded fact telling. It demanded truth. It demanded people sticking to their guns, even when um, they were being uh, attacked. Um, our institutions have been attacked, our, our, our judicial system, um, the highest um, courts in the land have been attacked, and the institution of journalism has been attacked. Attacked Over the last couple of years, if you are on the right side of history and what's happening in this country, you are fighting for democracy. And part of fighting for democracy is being able to hold people to account and tell the truth. So, you know, while, you know, it's easy for people to sit back and say, well, you know, there should be more of this, there should be more of that. Um, I think as a whole, journalism and journalists were reacting uh, to the time that, that they and we were in. Uh, and I think that, that that is changing somewhat. But we've got to be really careful because you have to look at, you know, January 6th was a wake-up call about you can't both sides everything and say, well, everybody's equal and this is all, you know, sort of the same thing. It's not the same. There's one uh, political party, especially right now, that is, for the most part, not operating in truth and facts. And that has, that has become a real danger to uh, keeping our democracy. And that's not to say that everything that Democrats are doing is right. It's not. And any last word about any new and different fresh approach you'll be exploring in CNN this morning? I think going to be pretty quite surprised because the new show, the new direction, the new format of the show is just, I think it's going to be inspiring to viewers. Everyone will feel like they have a seat at the table. And what I would like it to be is my co-anchors and I having a conversation and that all of a sudden at six o'clock, you just happen to um, tune into our conversation. The lights and the cameras come on to a conversation that, that, that we are already having and continuing. And then we say, Hey, Come on in and join this conversation and let us know what you think. And uh, maybe perhaps we can help your particular perspective uh, around your breakfast table and then later around your dinner table as well. Mm. Okay. Thank you, Don Lemon, for calling into our show. 
and the best of luck with your show. Very excellent. I have to tell you, I listen to you all the time, so thank you. I'm a, I'm a real fan. Oh, great to hear. Thank you. Thank you so much. Bye. Have a great day. And that was host Don Lemon on his new 6 to 9 p.m. show, CNN This Morning. And now on Arts Express, a special feature presentation, Julian Assange in his own words, a gathering of activists and radio voices from his speeches and writings as the imprisoned journalist these past three years in the UK's Belmarsh prison cannot speak for himself. So, so let's talk a little more broadly about this. I mean, in general, what's your philosophy? Why is it right to encourage leaking of secret information? Yeah, well, there's a question as to what sort of information is important in the world. What sort of information can achieve uh, reform? And there's a lot of information. So information that organizations are spending economic effort into concealing, uh, that's a really good signal that when the information gets out, there's a hope of it doing some good. Because the organizations that know it best, that know it from the inside out, are spending work to conceal it. Um, and that's what we've found in practice, and that's what uh, the history of journalism is. Hi, this is Jack Shalom. That was the voice of Julian Assange, the most important news publisher of our time. Unjustly imprisoned in Belmarsh Prison in England, with the threat of extradition to the U.S., hanging over him, where he's charged with violations of the Espionage Act for publishing the truth about U.S. war crimes. His organization, WikiLeaks, has released from among its 10 million documents the collateral murder video, which shocked the world with its graphic recording of the U.S. military massacre of more than 12 civilians, including two Reuters journalists, on a residential Baghdad street, the Afghan War Diary, with its precise and gruesome reports of the U.S. military actions. The Iraq War Logs, that reveal war crimes and the true number of civilians killed. Cablegate, more than 251,000 U.S. diplomatic cables. The Guantanamo Files, revealing the routine torture and abuse of prisoners held at Guantanamo Bay. And the Spy Files, showing the global mass surveillance being carried on by the U.S. Further on, WikiLeaks published Hillary Clinton's and the Democratic National Committee's emails, which document their continuing political corruption. And he also published Vault 7, the largest leak ever of CIA files. There's been a global outcry at Assange's imprisonment. Recently, Karen Sharp has edited a book for the publisher O.R. Books, consisting of quotes from Julian Assange's speeches and writings, called Julian Assange in his own words. With permission of the publisher, we present to you a reading from the book by some of our radio friends inspired by Assange's courageous acts. It is critical that Assange's words and ideas not be silenced. Only massive public protests can help to free him. And so now, with the help of our radio friends, Julian Assange, in his own words. We have to educate each other. We have to celebrate those who reveal the truth and denounce those who poison our ability to comprehend the world that we live in. The quality of our discourse is the limit of our civilization. Courage, the intellectual mastery of fear. People often say, you are tremendously courageous in doing what you're doing. And I say, no, you misunderstand what courage is. Courage is not the absence of fear. Only fools have no fear. Rather, courage is the intellectual mastery of fear by understanding the true risks and opportunities of the situation and keeping those things in balance. Rattling the cage. We should always see censorship actually as a very positive sign, and the attempts towards censorship as a sign that the society is not yet completely sewn up, not yet completely fiscalized, but still has some political dimension to it, i.e. 
that what people believe, think, and feel, and the words that they listen to actually matter. We manage to speak and give information at such volume and of such intensity that people actually were forced to respond. It is rare that they're forced to respond, so I think this is one of the first positive symptoms I've seen from the United States in a while, that actually, if you speak at this level, the cage can be rattled a bit and people can be forced to respond. Extraterritorial land grab. What is happening is not simply an increasing tendency towards authoritarianism in the West. There is a desire and a method being erected for the United States principally to engage in an extraterritorial land grab through the abuse of law. It is attempting to apply its jurisdiction to all countries in the world, to reach into other countries and destroy their sovereignty by demanding that its laws apply to the territory. Now, if you control the laws of a foreign country, if you say that your laws apply to the interior of a foreign country, this is the same as having effective control over the population of a foreign country, which is the same as, in a way, annexing that foreign country. The United States has been doing this in a unilateral manner, where it claims universal jurisdiction in relation to everything that it says has to do with national security, including publishing. Changing perception of those paying. The people in Baghdad, the people in Iraq, the people in Afghanistan, they don't need to see the video of collateral murders. They see it every day. It's not going to change their opinion. It's not going to change their perception. It will change the perception and opinion of the people who are paying for it all. That's our hope. Bankruptcy of existing political theories. If we can find out about how complex human institutions actually behave, then we have a chance to build civilized behavior on top of it. This is why I say that all existing political theories are bankrupt, because you cannot build a meaningful theory without knowledge of the world that you're building the theory about. Until we have an understanding of how the world actually works, no political theory can actually be complete enough to demand a course of action. Listing the actions that have been directed against my organization, those close to me and myself, fails to convey all the violence, but may give an idea. Calls for my execution, for my kidnapping, and for my imprisonment on espionage charges by highly placed political and administrative leaders in the US. Theft of information, documents, and property. Repeated cyber attacks continual infiltration, an illegal ban on the use of all payment platforms to make contributions to my organization, permanent surveillance of my every move and my electronic communications, indiscriminate legal prosecutions that have been dragged out for five years without the possibility of my being able to defend myself, slander campaigns, repeated physical threats, searches, and harassment of my lawyers, etc. When you communicate over the internet, when you communicate using mobile phones, which are now meshed to the internet, your communications are being intercepted by military intelligence organizations. It's like having a tank in your bedroom. It's a soldier between you and your wife as you're texting. We're all living under martial law as far as our communications are concerned. We just can't see the tanks, but they are there. Contingency plans. There's never been a single allegation that we've got something wrong. We're not writing opinion pieces, though we do sometimes write factual analysis. But the bulk of our publication is raw source material that cannot be attacked as something that has our editorial influence in it. So the only way to attack it becomes, in fact, through an ad hominem attack on the message. It's a very difficult position to be in, but since I'm already in it, 
I may as well keep the heat on me and spare the other members of the organization. Accountability through publishing. We are a publishing organization. There is nothing that we do that does not result in material that is being published. So the public can see what it is we do. We survive on a week-to-week -week and month-to-month -month basis purely as a result of public donations, purely as a result of intellectual donations, information provided by our sources. If the public believes in a three-month period that we should not be supported, that is the end of WikiLeaks. And that is unlike any democratically elected government. Finding each other. It is the nature of human beings that they lie and cheat and deceive. Organized groups of people who do not lie and cheat and deceive find each other and get together. Because they have that temperament, they are more efficient because they are not lying and cheating and deceiving each other. Extrajudicial state censorship working through the private sector. I think the attacks on us by Visa, PayPal, MasterCard, Bank of America, Post Finance, Money Bookers, and other U.S. companies, predominantly banks and financial intermediaries, is the most interesting revelation that has come out of what we've been doing. Like the Pentagon Papers case, the reaction and overreaction of the state and other groups involved in it will be seen to be one of the most important outcomes of the revelation itself. The penetration of truth into mainstream media, a lasting legacy. The journalists, having read our material and having been forced to go through it to pull out stories, have themselves become educated and radicalized. And that is an ideological penetration of the truth into all these mainstream media organizations. And that, to some degree, may be one of the lasting legacies over the past year. Only a high-tech rebel elite will remain free. I think the only people who will be able to keep the freedom that we had, say, 20 years ago, are those who are highly educated in the internals of the system. So it will be a high-tech rebel elite that is free. We no longer need to comprehend the Kafkaesque through the lens of fiction or allegory. It has left the pages and lives among us, stalking our best and brightest. It is fair to call what is happening to Chelsea Manning a show trial. The alleged act in respect of which Chelsea Manning is charged is an act of great conscience, the single most important disclosure of subjugated history ever. There is not a political system anywhere on the earth that is not seen light as a result. In court, in February, Chelsea Manning said that she wanted to expose injustice and to provoke worldwide debate and reform. Chelsea Manning is accused of being a whistleblower. She is effectively accused of conspiracy to commit journalism. Lied into war, truth into peace. Most wars in the 20th century started as a result of the lies amplified and spread by the mainstream press. And you may say, well, that is a horrible circumstance. It is terrible that all these wars start with lies. And I say, no, this is a tremendous opportunity because it means that populations basically don't like wars and they have to be lied into it. That means we can be truthed into peace. This is cause for hope. Verifying documents, not sources. We don't verify sources. We verify that documents are official documents. Choosing Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton? Well, you're asking me, do I prefer cholera or gonorrhea? Personally, I would prefer neither. Running away to fight another day. I believe the most effective activists are those that fight and run away to fight another day, not those who fight and martyr themselves. That's about judgment, when to engage in the fight and when to withdraw, so as to preserve your resources for the next fight. Academic fraud. 
This closing of ranks within the scholar class around the interests of the Pentagon and the State Department is, in itself, worthy of analysis. The censorship of cables from international relations journals is a type of academic fraud. To quietly exclude primary sources for non-academic reasons is to lie by omission. But it points to a larger insight, the distortion of the field of international relations and related disciplines by the proximity of its academic structures to the U.S. government. Understanding the world's sole remaining empire. The structured attempt at managing an extended cultural and economic system using communications is the hallmark of empire. And it is the records of these communications never intended to be dissected and so especially vulnerable to dissection that form the basis for understanding the nature of those world's sole remaining empire. Hard to become more controversial than Trump. From the point of view of an investigative journalist organization like WikiLeaks, the problem with the Trump campaign is it's actually hard for us to publish much more controversial material than what comes out of Donald Trump's mouth every second day. I mean, it's a really strange reality for most of the media to be in. Using the time we have. We all only live once, so we are obligated to make good use of the time that we have and to do something that is meaningful and satisfying. This is something that I find meaningful and satisfying. This is my temperament. I enjoy creating systems on a grand scale and I enjoy helping people who are vulnerable. And I enjoy crushing bastards. 10 years ago, the National Security Agency dealt with about 16 private contractors. The National Security Agency is the biggest spy agency in the United States, and its combined budget is more than that of the FBI and CIA combined. Now, it is over 1,000 contractors. Similarly, U.S. involvement in Iraq created around 10,000 different private contractors. So the patronage is now moving into the private sector. It's less contained than it was. Its tentacles are spreading into all walks of our society. And the number of people who are connected through family and business relationships to that structure continues to increase. Cablegate revelations used in court cases. We've published a lot about corruption, corruption hidden by secrecy, and corruption hidden by complexity. According to Google, there are more than 1.5 million web pages on WikiLeaks corruption revelations. The most recent has been running since July and involves geopolitical corruption in which the UK government deported the entire native population of the Chagos Islands, turned it into a secret US military base, Diego Garcia, and then conspired with the US to falsely declare it a marine reserve to prevent the native population from claiming a right of return. Free press activists. We are free press activists. That is the raw ingredient that is needed to make a just and civil society, and without that, we are just sailing in the dark. A thousand more Chelsea Mannings. Manning's treatment has been intended to send a signal to people of conscience in the U.S. government who might seek to bring wrongdoing to light. This strategy has spectacularly backfired, as recent months have proven. Instead, the Obama administration is demonstrating that there is no place in its system for people of conscience and principle. As a result, there will be a thousand more Chelsea Mannings. An encroaching privatized censorship regime. Just like everything else in the West, that becomes privatized and fiscalized. Censorship also is not only a mechanism that is applied by the state, it is something that can be hijacked by wealthy plutocrats, by big companies, to use the coercive mechanisms of the state through the judicial system, through unequal access to the judicial system, through patronage networks, to have material removed permanently from the historical record. 
how to fix things. The only way to fix things is this. Change the policies. Stop spying on the world. Eradicate secret law. Seize indefinite detention without trial. Stop assassinating people. Stop invading other countries and sending young Americans off to kill and be killed. Stop the occupations and discontinue the secret wars. Stop eating the young, like Edward Snowden, Barrett Brown, Jeremy Hammond, Aaron Schwartz, Gottfried Vardholm, Jacob Applebaum, and Chelsea Manning. Process is the punishment. The Obama administration, supported by varying degrees by its Western allies, in the last eight years has prosecuted and investigated more publishers and journalists under the Espionage Act than all previous presidencies combined. What a number of these cases have in common is not simply that they are recent or that they are conducted sometimes without any charge or that there are abuses in the formal process. It is that a technique has been developed in the West where the process is clearly the punishment. We are all living under martial law as far as our communications are concerned. We just can't see the tanks, but they are there. A proud record. There is no allegation by the Pentagon or any other official source that anyone has been physically harmed as a result of our publication of the Afghan war logs, the Iraq war diaries, or the State Department records, or the collateral murder video, or in fact anything we have done over the past four years in over 120 countries. Either a participant in history or a victim of it. I think it's first necessary to have an understanding that one is either a participant in history or a victim of it and that there is no other option. Because no one wants to be a victim, one must therefore be a participant. And in being a participant, the most important thing to understand is that your behavior affects other people's behavior, and your courage will inspire actions. On the other hand, a lack of courage will suppress them. Truth is the only way. You have to start with the truth. Truth is the only way that we can get anywhere because any decision-making that is based upon lies or ignorance can't lead to a good conclusion. Reveals weaknesses, not strengths. When organizations or governments of various kinds attempt to contain knowledge and suppress it, they're giving you the most important information you need to know, that there is something worth looking at to see if it should be exposed and that censorship expresses weakness not strength. Disparity of information. The response of the United States to the release of the WikiLeaks materials betrays a belief that its power resides in a disparity of information. Ever more knowledge for the empire, ever less for its subjects. Defending those we love. Every time we witness an injustice and do not act, we train our character to be passive in its presence and thereby eventually lose all ability to defend ourselves and those we love. In a modern economy, it is impossible to seal oneself off from injustice. If we have brains or courage, then we are blessed and call on not to put those qualities away, standing agape at the ideas of others, winning kissing contests, improving the efficiencies of the neo-corporate state, or immersing ourselves in obscurante, but rather to prove the vigor of our talents against the strongest opponents of love we can find. Privacy to preserve power. Information is power. And if a large organization has a lot of information about you and you don't have information about that organization, it has even more power over you than it otherwise would have. Privacy is a way for individuals and small organizations 
to preserve the small amount of power that they already have. One of the best attributes of human beings is that they are adaptable. One of the worst attributes of human beings is that they are adaptable. They adapt and start to tolerate abuses. They adapt to being themselves involved in abuses. We've actually played inside the rules. We didn't go out to get the material. We operated just like any U.S. publisher operates. Everyone else must take my place. I am unbroken, albeit literally surrounded by murderers. But the days when I can read and speak and organize to defend myself, my ideals and my people are over. Until I am free, everyone must take my place. Never gotten it wrong. WikiLeaks has been publishing for 10 years. In that 10 years, we've published 10 million documents, several thousand individual publications, several thousand different sources, and we have never got it wrong. You've been listening to or reading from Julian Assange in his own words, published by OR Books, edited by Karen Sharp. Reading today from Julian Assange in his own words were the following comrades. Keyshawn Lucky, Medea Benjamin, Paul DiRienzo, Miguel Gardell, Marilyn Vote-Downey, Mitchell Cohen, Reggie Johnson, and Mary Murphy. Thanks to Koi Discovery, Yer Yona, and Holizna for the music. The quickest way to get up to speed on the Julian Assange case is to follow the WikiLeaks Twitter page at twitter.com slash WikiLeaks. Thanks for listening. This is Jack Shalom for Arts Express with host Prairie Miller. And we'll wrap up the show today with Arts Express Paris correspondent Row on the global television beat, reporting from Europe on the alternative media, repression and resistance. This is Bro on the global television beat, breaking glass. Today's episode, semi-annual survey of alternative media. Something's rotten in NATO. As the world draws closer to the nuclear war, led by the United States and cheered on by the vassal countries of the NATO alliance, even as those countries face the prospect of deindustrialization and a frozen winter, it may be time to update Winston Churchill's announcement of the Cold War in describing the role of Western media. From Barcelona on the Mediterranean to Philadelphia on the Atlantic, an iron curtain has descended across the West. Because of the impenetrability of this Iron Curtain, there is almost no anti-war movement to speak of in the West. To question the war is simply forbidden. Do it, and you will end up censored and ostracized, even as it draws us all closer to Armageddon. As the European economy tanks, as in France, even bakeries close because electricity is too expensive to keep them open. As the environmental crisis worsens, to which can now be added the massive leaks from the sabotaging of the Russian pipeline, weirdly blamed on the Russians themselves. And as the developing world braces for a lack of food, energy, and fertilizer, all the result of U.S. sanctions, which according to the alternative media site Multipolarista, 87% of the world's population do not support. Meanwhile, U.S. liberals champion the cause of a free Ukraine, while actually turning a blind eye to the constant slaughter of Ukrainians being used as cannon fodder in a useless proxy war between the U.S. and Russia that with any will on the side of the West could have been solved through diplomacy. Deafened also to the omnipresent and ever-growing presence of the fascist Azov Brigade, where, as Jimmy Dore points out, video after video features its members parading with Nazi regalia and to the hardening of Zelensky's government in its anti-labor, anti-union stance while refusing any attempt at negotiation. A word about what used to be called liberals, but which today constitute the most adamant warmongers and hawks in the West, with, for example, the German Green Party Foreign Secretary Annalena Baerbock 
betraying the anti-nuclear origins of that party and instead calling for an unceasing war with language that would make the always bellicose Boris Johnson blush. Biden's neocons posing as right thinkers, Secretary of War or State, Anthony Blinken, Ukraine coup-monger Victoria Nuland, and stoker of the nuclear flame and security advisor Jake Sullivan promote a rules-based order, which simply means the U.S. makes the rules and imposes its order. The order being that proposed in the mid-90s Wolfowitz Doctrine, which states that no country, business, or entity shall challenge U.S. dominance and hegemony. This self-defined standard stands in sharp contrast to the actual rules-based order, the U.N. Charter, which the U.S. has been in constant violation of in its, according to Ben Norton, 251 interventions since 1991, after the demise of its challenger, the Soviet Union. It's a sad state of affairs in the West, and the effect of this Iron Curtain, that the voices of peace and reason are the war criminal Henry Kissinger, the con man Donald Trump, and the Ponzi scheme crackpot Elon Musk. Liberal is no longer a term which accurately describes this group, sanctimoniously hiding behind the patina of human rights, which has been converted into, as George Galloway's guest, UN scholar and diplomat Alfred DeZayas terms it, the business of human rights. These so-called liberals have supported all these interventions, in fact, never met a war or an incursion that furthered the empire's quest for raw materials they didn't like. That is, upper and upper middle class elites benefiting from this prolonged attack on working and now middle class people while coyly claiming to support them. Weeks before the midterm elections, Democrats had to be reminded that voters were hurting and less able to afford food, energy, and shelter, while the solution Republicans proposed, giving bigger tax breaks to the rich, would exacerbate, not solve, the problem. A superb example of the Iron Curtain was the disparity between the visual and verbal ending of Biden's speech at the September opening of the General Assembly of the U.N., As Biden stumbled hopelessly and helplessly across the stage in danger of teetering off it, a British voice, representing that country's role as U.S. lapdog, extolled the warlike and aggressive speech Biden had just read from a teleprompter. Mr. President, thank you. At the end of such a momentous event, the word thank you seems kind of inadequate for all the millions whose lives will be saved and for all those whose lives will be transformed. Thank you. This disconnect between the propaganda machine and reality couldn't better represent the power and vacuity of the Western media, not only cut off from reality, but from the rest of the world as well. An apt illustration of a failing and feeble empire, what Noam Chomsky, an Indian journalist and developing world historian Vijay Prashad, call in their new book, The Fragile Empire, propped up by the screeching voiceover of a media whose job it is to proclaim that all is well. All that was covered of the General Assembly opening in the New York Times, CNN, MSNBC, etc., was Biden's speech, moderate and tempered, and the Russian and Iranian speeches, rabble-rousing and belligerent. The truth, though, is that much closer to the majority was that of the Indonesian Minister for Foreign Affairs, Retno Marsudi, who urged, in the face of the pandemic, a collapsing economy and global warming, peace and an end to war. The majority view was never represented in the imperial media. The media blackout is so complete and the defunding and censoring of actual alternative media so thorough that the very nature of alternative media has now changed. Just two years ago, when this survey was last published, it was still possible to speak of progressive media. Now, most of that media has simply collapsed into the hardly dissenting and not very left wing of the Democratic Party, simply echoing mainstream views while often seeing as its mission to hold the line against actually dissenting opinions and what remains of an independent media. In the face of this collapse, then, it is important to highlight the often underfunded and mostly viewer-sponsored media that maintains a critical view in face of the Maginot Line, which states that anything short of gung-ho acceptance of the escalation of the U.S.-NATO proxy war, both in the Ukraine and the coming war in China, is traitorous. With that in mind, here are five sites that continue the battle in these bleak times and that have not surrendered their values for whatever institutional funding or scraps from the imperial table might be available. The mother of all talk shows with George Galloway. Former British parliamentarian, Galloway is now the dean of actual alternative media, assembling with his array of guests and with his stentorian opening monologue, a nearly Shakespearean rendering of the ignomies of the week on a program that is a breath of fresh air in an otherwise captured media. Listen to arms regulator Scott Ritter, our Ukraine correspondent on the ground, Gonzalo Lira, and compare their versions of what is actually happening in the war, 
both of which concentrate on the needless slaughtering of the Ukrainians in an unwinnable situation, without the bright, cheery resistance stories from Le Monde and the New York Times. The difference is eye-opening, and the gap needs to be accounted for. Galloway continues to be the doyen of current, actually resistant media. A shout-out also to the always-on-point Garland Nixon, whose no-holds-barred take on the lunacy among the corruption of Washington politicians is stellar. The Socialist Program with Brian Becker. Becker's analysis, crisp and on target, of both the wider implications of this new global war and his historical understanding of the successes and failures of the Russian and Chinese revolutions is extraordinary. His thoughtful recapping of the history of the current Ukrainian conflict, its origin in the U.S.-sanctioned coup in 2014, and the subsequent killing of over 14,000 Russian-speaking inhabitants of the Donbass, as well as his and frequent guest Eugene Perrier's accounting of the broken promises concerning NATO advancement to the East, constantly give the lie to the rules-based order, as do in frequent appearances by the aforementioned Vijay Prashad. Nothing Short of Miraculous is his six-part series with Chinese history scholar Ken Hammond on the twists and turns of that revolutionary government's foreign policy, now updated with the analysis of Dongxing News's Ting's Chak's recounting of how China has gone from one of the poorest countries on earth to now having a life expectancy for its citizens that exceeds that of the U.S. A must for anyone wishing to have a more full-bodied take on the U.S.-China conflict and the motor driving it, a topic of a recent episode with economist Richard Wolff, a regular guest, who explained that a possible effect of the decoupling of the U.S. and China, which supplies cheap goods to the American market, might be more deleterious for the American working class than even the effects of the current inflationary spiral, itself the result, as he explained, of a greedy raising of prices by U.S. capitalists. Multipolarista with Ben Norton. Journalist Norton split with the gray zone, which does mostly investigative reporting, to instead provide a more global perspective on the dawning multipolar world. His analysis is underlaid by the economic wisdom of frequent guest Michael Hudson, who on a recent show explained that what we are seeing is not the end of the greed is good neoliberal order, but rather an acceleration of that order. And who also pointed out that it was never a peaceful order, relying for its wealth on a host of military incursions in the Middle East and Africa. Norton's multi-part series with political scientist and historian Aaron Good, author of American Exception, Empire and the Deep State, is a thoroughgoing examination of the dark, undemocratic forces that have always vied for contention within American democracy, and which are now in ascendance, utterly calling the shots in the face of two consecutive presidents, one a con man who could be blackmailed, and the other a now feeble-minded shell of a man who was in touch with the deepest and darkest forces of American politics in the American state, from his long history of racist remarks almost the moment he became Senator Credit Card from the corporate tax haven of Delaware. Multipolarista is where to go to get a different perspective on the global challenge to U.S. hegemony. The Jimmy Dore Show. Dore, as he loves to point out, a comedian operating out of his basement in L.A. is the funniest and wickedest commentator on American politics and especially on the corruption of the Democratic Party. With the aid of his frequent journalist guests, Aaron Mate, Glenn Greenwald and Max Blumenthal, he has also made himself an astute truth-teller on the global situation as the U.S. draws ever nearer to a simultaneous confrontation with Russia and China. A special part of the show are the calls from Impressionist Mike McRae, whose spot-on renderings of Hollywood Illuminati, such as Al Pacino, Harrison Ford, Vince Vaughn, and Brad Pitt, hilariously call attention to the vacuousness and promotional self-serving behind entertainment business trendsetters and do-gooders. The skits the two fashioned together are what many decades ago, the now totally sold out and cowardly Saturday Night Live was like at its origins. Means Morning News with Sam Sachs. This is another show where budget cuts, as more truthful alternative media is defunded, have hurt. The show lost its co-host and is not as strong with a single voice, as well as airtime being cut and now relying for much of its reporting on scanning the internet. Still, it is the place to go for union and working class news and updates, even featuring a section titled This Week in Working Class History. More appropriate than ever, in these times when U.S. oligarchs are lionized while those from around the world are demonized, is a segment naming the Rich of the Week, an honor recently won by landlords in general as rents become unaffordable and the former American dream of owning a house unthinkable, and won another week by Chipotle CEO Brian Nichol, who, on owner-friendly CNN, called a union of his own workers, which he attempted to halt a third party, interceding between our restaurant teams and our company and who beat out Apple's Tim Cook for also engaging in a similar campaign of union busting. 
as the world prepares yet another climate summit and the UN calls this last year of global war a wasted year in halting the effects, the New York Times weighed in with an article where its climate expert David Wallace Wells proclaimed the world instead on the brink of heading toward a less apocalyptic future. The Times may refuse to capitalize it, but there's only one apocalypse or end of the world. As the Times style sheet would say, it's like saying less unique. But it does the job of softening the blow and letting us all live with the effects of not confronting the ever-expanding profits of the fossil fuel companies, suggesting that the ship of state may be able to totter on the edge for a few more years before tipping over the falls into total collapse. The reason for the Times' exuberance may be found in the same edition where a German analyst admits that the West is providing just enough weaponry for Ukraine quote, to survive so that Russia should not win, but also not lose. A tacit admission that one of the points of the war is simply a dumping ground for U.S. and NATO weapons and a boost to the weapons industry and its direct representative in the Biden administration, former Raytheon exec and now Defense Secretary Mark Esper. Ukraine was the promised booty after the devastating for that industry closing of the 20-year weapons sinkhole of Afghanistan. It's thanks to the five outlets that any kind of clear-eyed view of the world may emerge in the wake of an almost total collapse of progressive media and politicians, which could not have been more clearly seen than in the mealy-mouthed, meager plea of 30 Democrats for the Biden administration, as nuclear war looms, to perhaps consider negotiating. This meek response was met with a resounding no from corporate media and politicians, and then promptly withdrawn as these so-called progressives retreated back under the umbrella of a state whose foreign policy is often dictated by the weapons industry. These media outlets, often lone wolves crying in the wilderness, are ever more essential today as the media propaganda mill and Iron Curtain props up an empire that, with its economic power fading, attempts to instead compete in its last remaining area of clear dominance, weapons and war, and may not mind taking the rest of the world down with it as it goes. This is Bro on the Global Television Beat, signing off and breaking glass. And that's all we have time for today on Arts Express, Expression in the Arts. And if you'd like to express yourself too, you can write to us at theradiogoddess at gmail.com. Until next time, this is Prairie Miller leaving the station.